session with Dr. Farid Hulaku. Good afternoon and welcome to In Session with Dr. Farid Hulakwi. I'm your host, Dr. Farid Hulakwi, and I'll be with you for the next two hours here on Radio Hamra. Studio number to call in, 310-441-0555. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist, so you can call in with any questions related to clinical psychology, including any emotional or psychological issues, parenting issues, and relationship issues as well. You can also follow me on Twitter or Instagram or like my page on Facebook to get updates on the show or suggest topics or books for the program. And the shows are uploaded at the end of each week to my SoundCloud page and free podcast on iTunes. Again, the studio number 310-441-0555. But to start off the show, I have a special guest who is here to talk about something that all of us here at Radio Hamra and definitely me included are very excited about, and that is the second annual Radio Hamra toy drive for Mattel's Children's Hospital here in Westwood, California. But please welcome to the show longtime friend, Susie Khatami. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you, Farid June. Thank you for having me on your show. So delighted to be here. And this is a good excuse for me to get to see you. And it's interesting, as we said before the show, that um, it reminds me of long, long time <laughs> ago when I had the pleasure of being your host yes. and inviting you to the show, you and your lovely brother That's back right. home. And uh, that was a very special occasion. I, I will always remember and cherish those beautiful moments. Well, I'll remember that too, because that was my first time ever on the radio. Um, and we, we were trying to figure out how many years ago. We might have to look at the dates and figure it out. But that was the right. first time I was on the radio. You were the host. And how lucky now we get to switch the roles and I get to be the host. And last year you called in and this year I get you in the studio. So That's I'm getting right. luckier each time. So Yes, the luck is all mine and the <laughs> pleasure is mine. Um I know you're very busy. I know you have a very popular show and catering towards the younger crowd mostly because they do speak English and their Farsi's and maybe that good. So I'm glad that you cater to those particular people with their needs and questions and concerns. That's very nice and I'm very proud of you oh, always. Well, thank you very much. Um, however, like you mentioned, mm-hmm. the reason I'm on your show today is for the uh, cause that it's very dear to me, and that's the toy drive mm-hmm. for the Mattel Children's Hospital, which is not far from your studio. No, probably, le- probably about a mile by. away, yeah. Yes, that's mm-hmm. right. Very handy for me since last year, picking up the toys and just drive um, yes. a mile up the road. Um, so we can talk about that. Sure, yes. So um, we're very lucky that uh, Susie has this relationship with the Mattel's Children's Hospital, has been doing this for many years now, um, but extended that offer last year to Radio Hamra to be a part of it, and we were so excited. Um, you know, when we think about children who are in a hospital, it just breaks my heart. Totally. And it's hard to even comprehend. Mm-hmm. You know, it makes people even, people who are very firm believers of God question God, like, how could these children be in this type of situation? It's Absolutely. just so hard to accept. But of course, the reality is there is unfortunately kids suffering in this way. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's not much we can do, but something we're trying to do with this toy drive is to just hopefully bring a smile to their faces. Absolutely, and that's, that's the idea. Yeah, and that's what all of you listening today have that opportunity to be a part of this with us by donating gifts to this toy drive, um, which would then be 
go to the hands of a child who is dealing with a, a medical issue. Or I think also mm-hmm. sometimes the families of those, exactly. those children, because of course, uh, when a child is suffering from a serious medical condition, it affects the whole family tremendously. Friends, family, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so maybe I, we can I can tell people how they can get involved. So sure. again, thanks to Susie, we have this set up, but you can bring toys here to the Radio Hamra offices in Westwood, California, if you're in the nearby area, um, Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Um, and I'll give the address in a second, but the gifts must be new and unwrapped. So please, I want to repeat that. New gifts that are unwrapped because we want the gifts to be unwrapped because they need to then determine who's going to get what gifts uh, based on the age of the children and the toys that are given. So make sure they are new and unwrapped. And by new, I don't mean almost new. In the original <laughs> packaging, not open. And for all ages, because um, there are kids, unfortunately, very young babies, all the way up to teenagers who are there. So uh, any age is okay. But let me give you the address here. It's 1762 Westwood Boulevard, Suite 330, Los Angeles, California, 90024. And for those of you who don't live in the L.A. area and you would like to get involved, last year some people did mail the gifts in. They did send it to us. So that is an option to those of you who would like to get involved who are not close enough to personally drop off the gifts um, yourself. So last year we actually, I'm looking over at the recording studio, which was filled up with gifts, and it was really wonderful. So we were so touched by the uh, generosity of everyone out there who contributed, and we're sure... Um, it'll happen again this year, and we're looking forward to that. Hopefully, yes, and more so because this year, luckily, um, a friend and editor-in-chief for the Century City News um, also offered to help me with the toy drive because I'm a member of the Rotary Club, Century Mm -hmm. City Rotary Club, as well as the Chamber of Commerce in Century City. And um, they know about what I do for the community uh, through my real estate work, and they were interested to know about the toy drive. I casually was mentioning mm-hmm. the fact that I'm coming to Radio Hamra for the toy drive, and they go, tell us more about this radio station. So I did mention about the fact you were uh, graciously and generously helping me last year with mm-hmm. my toy drive project, and they were very curious. So they asked about the address and asked if they could write it in their newspaper, the local newspaper, Century City News, as well as the online, and they did. So the Radio Hamra is there, so a lot of non-Iranians hopefully would Mm -hmm. see the projects happening and they will send their toys. So we will hopefully get more toys than even last year. That would be wonderful. But yeah, thank you for that. I'm getting it in uh, centurycitynews.com, and I think you said the story is up online. People can check it out. But thank you for that. Of course, the publicity for the radio, but especially publicity for the toy drive. We're hoping even more people can get involved. Maybe you can tell the listeners a bit about how sure. you got involved with this, because I know it's been many years that you've been doing True. this. What yes. what got? How did you get involved, and what was the inspiration behind that? Yes, uh, good question, Fadi John. Uh, love for the kids and children, mm-hmm. um, especially when they're sick in the hospital. Mm-hmm. It started all because um, when I was a student nurse back in London, you know, my uh, education is, uh, I'm a registered mm-hmm. nurse mm-hmm. from London, England. And as a student nurse, I remember the first year, first Christmas during the holiday, I had to work for the children's floor. Mm. And I saw a lot of young children 
having to spend the holiday times um, in the hospital. Mm -hmm. Of course, the hospital and the doctors would release a lot of them that they were feeling better or they could go home with a bit of an equipment here Mm -hmm. and there. But there were always some left that no matter what, they couldn't send them home. Mm -hmm. And that really, really broke my heart. Of course, I was very young, very innocent, too, at those ages. You know, I was like uh, in my early 20s. Mm-hmm. So not that and, long uh, ago. Yeah, Yeah, I wish. <laughs> Thank you for the compliment. <laughs> I can always take that. I love it. Thank you. Yes. So that really affected me, I mm-hmm. guess, somehow mm-hmm. sure. that kids in the hospital. And I remember even that year I went and got a lot of toys. You know, even as a student, I didn't have much money, but I did go buy some toys. So mm-hmm. that day when I went for my shift, I could put it on the Christmas tree because we would put a Christmas tree decorations for them and I give them out to them. And I think that was the beginning that kind of mm-hmm. started me off doing something for Mm -hmm. the children who are in the hospital and can be really with their family the way they want to be. Mm -hmm. And uh, then I continued because I moved then to the United States since 84. I've lived here in Los Angeles. And then having a child of my own, I decided then I definitely, I was more even adamant to do this and teach my child even Mm -hmm. that we always have to do good and give back to the community. It's not all yeah. about taking and we need to give back. Yeah. So even when my son was only a year old, two year old, I remember every holiday time I would take him out to the toy store, buy toys and started giving out. And mm. the reason I did with Mattel Children's Hospital, there's no particular reason except that it was a hospital that it was local to me because I've always lived this part of the town. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was closer and I contacted them and they were graciously accepted it and liked the idea and I just continued doing it and then now doing it with the media obviously helped me more because plenty more people help and I take like 2,000 toys plus every year to the hospital and it's the greatest joy for me. That's incredible yeah that's great and you know I think you you brought up so many things that I wanted to just like jump in and say yes yes because (laughs) I agree with so much of that because um, I'm all about from a young age teaching kids about giving back and and helping. Of course, I know you have a good heart. That's why I'm here in your <laughs> oh, show. Oh, thank you. Well, yes, yes I, I feel lucky to get to, to do this project with you because, you know, it's so sweet to give to these kids. But I hope I hope people from all over contribute to, to our toy drive. But I also hope people give to people in their area, even if they totally. don't. Hey, you don't want to send a gift. I understand that. Send it to a kid who's in your neighborhood, in your area. Unfortunately, there's people everywhere who need help and are exactly. uh, and wanting that. So I hope you'll give back in whatever way you can, wherever you can. And then also, you know, there's this feeling, in the, we call it in America, this is the holiday season. Mm-hmm. Of course, depending on where you live, the holidays are different times. But people become much more kind and generous during this time, which is sure. really nice. You're out on the street. You just notice people are a little bit more kind. Mm-hmm. I feel like people open the doors for each other a little more. There's more politeness because everyone feels that holiday it's in spirit. The air. Yeah, it's in the air. Right. But I would also hope we extend that, that we recognize we could be that way year round. That mm-hmm. generosity doesn't have to just be for this one month or these few I weeks. We, we can keep that in mind and recognize that people are in need all the time. And um, like you were saying with your own son, getting him to see that giving back is something we want to focus on. It hopefully becomes the focus of our life, not just these moments, but what better way to start than, than during the holidays. So we really hope you will contribute to the toy drive. As I mentioned, you can send your gifts in or drop them off personally here at the Radio Hamra offices 1762 Westwood Boulevard, Suite 330, Los Angeles, California, 90024. Uh, If you didn't get the write down the office, you can always call into the office at 310-441-5111 to get the address and make sure you have it right. I'm sure you're going to want to make sure it gets to us. And if you want to drop it off personally, Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., you can come here um, and do that yourself. So we hope to see your bright faces come in with your lovely gifts. Again, unwrapped 
and brand new for all ages. Um, we'll see what we can do. I'm looking forward to seeing that room fill up. I'm oh, and sure I, me- I can't I don't, wait. The dates, I don't know if I mentioned that. It's anytime now until December 15th. So we just have a few weeks. Yeah, we don't have much time left, mm-hmm. only because once I talked to the hospital staff, Farijan, they told me, or they asked me rather, to bring them in time a week before the holidays mm-hmm. because they need time to go through all this process. And remember, we're not the only people that they're taking toys sure. to the hospital. There are many more organizations that they bring toys. Mm-hmm. Therefore, they need enough time to go through all the toys, see which toy to give to whom, and then they also need to wrap it themselves. Mm-hmm. So it takes some time. Uh, that's why we only set up to 15. Sure. So I have time to take it, and they have enough time to give it to the kids. Makes sense. Yeah, so we're limited in time. We just have a few weeks, but we hope you will get involved. And if you can give to our toy drive, we'd be so happy to see your gifts. But as I said, I hope you'll give somehow to someone now and also throughout the year. Uh, you know, there's Black Friday and Monday was Cyber Monday, but there's also this new trend uh, the Tuesday after Cyber Monday. They're calling it Giving Tuesday, where people can focus on giving to charitable organizations, making donations and doing things of that nature. So we also want to continue that spirit of Giving Tuesday. And as I mentioned before, not just focus it on one day, but throughout the year and throughout our lives. So we hope you'll join us in our toy drive, which we humbly um, extend to all of you listening today to be a part of it with us. And again, a big thanks to Suzy Khatami for Thank setting you. this up for us this year. I again. really appreciate you giving me the opportunity and the time and believing in my project and what I do and being here. And I know you have a big heart, Farijan. I know you're helping out uh, a lot of other organizations yourself. You're always out there helping, and you're a good example for our young generation to follow you and look up to you. And I think it starts from home and seeing your parents doing good things. Mm -hmm. That's how the children learn eventually. Absolutely. And they want to do the same thing. So, yeah, it all... You know, relevant and it all helps. So mm-hmm. thank you again for your time and thanks uh, to Dr. Holakui, of course, your dad, mm-hmm. who always is there to help me and support my ideas and projects. And I really, really appreciate having a great family like Radio Hamra and oh. Dr. Holakui and the kids and the rest of your gang. Oh, thank, thank you. Thank so you. Well, we're happy to have you part of the family. And yeah, we were meeting with my dad before we came on the air and he was very happy about doing the toy drive again. And I, I announced it today as the second annual, and I mentioned to you that's to make sure we lock you in for years totally going forward. So we do this pleasure. every year. Thank you again, Susie. So again, you can donate your gifts now till December 15th for Mattel's Children's Hospital, unwrapped new toys for all ages, and you can give them here at the Radio Hamra offices. But again, a big thanks to Susie for setting this up for us. And actually, we're at our first commercial break. Uh, after the break, I'll take calls and we'll do the rest of the show. But again, thank you, Susie, for joining me today. Thank you. You're listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Dulakwi. We'll be right back. Back. Uh, before I go to a caller, I want to announce the book of the week, which I mentioned Monday. It's Altered Traits by Daniel Goleman and Richard Davidson. Altered Traits Science Reveals How Meditation Changes Your Mind, Brain, and Body. And the book just came out this year. I haven't read it yet, uh, but started already. And it seems like a really interesting book that, that 
goes into all the science behind meditation and what it does do and what it also maybe doesn't do, that some of the studies might be saying that it does too much. But I uh, look forward to talking about that on Monday night's show. But let me go to a caller. Radio Hamra, you're on the air. Hello. Hello. Hi. You're on the air. Hi. Yeah, my name is Amir. I haven't actually heard of the show before, but my aunt, Mariam, she told me to call. She said, this guy she listens to could help with maybe giving some solid insight into what I'm going through. Okay, we'll, we'll give it a try. Nice to have you call. Uh, let me know what's going on. Sure, yeah. You know, I moved to Houston from Atlanta about three years ago, and I didn't really know anybody, you know, for <laughs> work. So um, I began to meet people, and one girl stood out in particular as a good friend. And over the past three years, we've maintained that friendship. But it's developed into something more than that. And uh, what is happening is it's become a standstill because her age is a hindrance. Um, okay, how old I'm are you? 20, oh, yeah, go ahead. I'm 28. I'm 28. Okay. And how old is she? This girl, she's 33. Okay. So, and she's Amrikai, so she's mm-hmm. white also. And a big part of my life is my family's influence and uh, having their approval in a sense. Mm-hmm. Whether or not that's something we should go by or not, it's part of who I am and I. it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Um, Besides that, we have so many good times, and other times it becomes very hectic because there's this internal dilemma, and I project that upon her too, unfortunately, mm. but it happens yeah. because I think of future and, you know, approval and, uh, you know, where things could go, even though I like her. It's, so that's where I'm at with yeah. that. How long have you guys been dating? Since January. Okay, so about 10, 11 months. Close to a year. Okay. And do you see a future with her? Well, that's a hard question. That's the whole point of right. this call. Yeah. Because it's hard to see. Mm-hmm. I can't see. I feel below water because life, there's no written rules. Mm-hmm. There's, no, there's no guidebook, really. You have people's experiences to go by, but at the end, those are just beliefs we have to experience for ourselves. Sure. And you know, when you have family, that is a big part of the experience is that they know what's best or they want to have the best, you know, for you, especially the Iranian parents. You know? Right. I well, I wouldn't we say they, yeah, they wouldn't, I don't want to say they always know best. I mean, they, they care a lot and sometimes they think they know best, but sometimes, uh, very often they can be wrong and their advice might even be good in some way, but it might not be right for the person they're giving it to either. So uh, I wouldn't say they're always going to be right. So we have to look at what, sure. what you want at the end of the day, but you're right that the, the family influence is going to play a big part, even if you're making the right decision for yourself. But if they're unhappy about it and that causes conflict for you and your partner, that, that is a real issue to be aware of. So I can understand right. your dilemma. Um, so what is it that you yourself are looking for as far as a future? Do you want to get married? Do you want to have kids? My uncle, he tells me it's like I'm a chicken that wants to lay the egg and hover over it. Like I'm just an animal trying to breed. And <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Excuse me. But yeah. I mean, I'm looking for, you know, I'm not really looking for anything. I really am focused on work uh, and, you know, developing a, you know, a a base for myself that I can roam life comfortably without struggling, you know. Mm -hmm. So that's been my main focus. Um, You know, I carry about two or three jobs right now, and uh, it's very fun and engaging, stimulates me. And the woman is the other... uh, 
part that dominates a good amount of my life. So um, looking for something is hard to say. You know, I feel uh, like there's so much out there. How am I supposed to know what to even look for? You know, how do I choose? Very indecisive person. Yeah, I'm getting that sense because I, I get what you're saying that um, there is always going to be so much out there, but eventually, you know, you, you make a choice or you know what you want or you have an idea of what you want and you go towards that. Even you're saying you're working. I mean, you know, you can always say, well, I can go on a million job interviews and make sure I find the best one, but we really can't lot, you know, practically do that. So eventually mm-hmm. you'd have to settle, settle on one of them. Um, but it seems like, yeah, you're not even sure on what you want yourself. If you want, you know, cause I asked you about marriage or kids and you, we really don't know if you want those things. Oh no. Well, time out. I, uh, I would love kids. Okay. Know, three, if anything, that mm-hmm. is a big part of what I would like to do. How soon I want to do that. That's part of the thing with the the girl that I'm seeing is, you know, she's 33. Yeah. And I'm not the one to say when they're supposed to have kids, but I'm sure there's some biological influences happening inside of her that are saying we need to hurry this up a little bit. Um, And for me, I'm at the beginning of a a pretty decent career in life that, you know, I didn't come from much. So now I have all of this in front of me and my success is gaining good traction. So that's my main goal right now. Yeah, I want kids. I want, you know, a happy life with family and a wife and marriage or whatnot. But um, to close in on it right now, um, I don't know. I feel mm-hmm. very, uh makes me nauseous almost. Yeah, it seems like I can feel the anxiety as you talk about it. Um, mm-hmm. And they are big decisions. When you're talking about your career, if you, what, what do you do as, as your career? I sell valves uh, to municipalities in the water industry. And okay. I also am doing commercial real estate. I do... Um, you know, commercial real estate and mm-hmm. uh, multifamily units and real estate in general, and okay. that's pretty much a second. That's same amount of work goes into that as the other job. Mm-hmm. So it does sound like you're very busy. Um, now you mentioned something about kind of like the the biological clock, like you think your girlfriend might have that in mind. But there is, of course, the, the realistic biological issue of having children. That if you don't want to have kids for several years. Her window yeah. is gradually closing Correct. or getting, it's yeah. going to become more difficult. That's something very real. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's tough because you've mentioned your family a few times and their influence. Um, and I get that it's there. But more than that, it's important for you to know what do you want. And even you and her outside of your family, can you guys work? Do you guys want the same things? And, and is there some kind of path for you guys to stay together? Or maybe maybe it's not going to work because you guys want different things or are different places in your life. And that can sometimes be the case that although we might really like each other or love each other in a relationship, because of the logistics, it doesn't always work. Love love isn't enough. Uh, there's a book by that title, which is very true. Love is important, but it's not enough to make a relationship work because there are logistical things at play that we have to be aware of. So it seems that she's putting a pressure on you to move the relationship forward, but you are not sure you're ready for that. Well, she's never, she's a very um, conscious person and is very, um, she has a certain wisdom to her, especially with the age I'm seeing too, that is a high attraction for me that leans me towards her because there is no real pressure from her. <laughs> and in fact, I've put, I put the worst pressure on her <laughs> about saying, you know, hey, you got, you know, you got a time clock. I can't be responsible. I don't. I, I feel responsible if I carry this relation with you for another two years, and I don't want to commit to a child. Mm-hmm. And then you've wasted your years with me. You know, while you should have been finding another suitable mate that could have 
you know, provided everything and more, and plus a family or something, you know. Mm-hmm. So the pressure, if anything, the only person that puts pressure in this relation is really me. Okay. Um, What's her response to that when you tell her that? Well, she cries, you know, she gets upset. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and I, you know, oh, come on, relax. And she's like, no, you're right, but... But then it goes back to like nothing ever happened. And then, you know, there are cycles where it comes up. Maybe I get angry and I start talking about it again or something, mm-hmm. you know. So, yeah. Um, well, you know, I'm getting a few, you know, just in hearing how you've talked about being indecisive, I think there's a part of you that although you want this relationship to continue, you're kind of ambivalent and maybe you would feel okay if it actually ended. You know, yes. Do you feel that way? Oh, yeah. I mean, it could go either way. I, I, I kind of, I really do hate to choose. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I, I throughout most of my life, I see more naturally things come, and I accept it, and then go on. You know, mm-hmm. but there are many things coming right now at me, and it's hard to choose. You know, yeah. now that it's like this, I don't know. Right. So you'd rather have, you'd rather not decide and just let whatever happens happens, and to make a choice. Yeah. I joke with my aunt; she gets angry, but I tell her, you know, hey, do I have to get married? I would almost rather accidentally have a kid or something that have to choose, mm. you know, to get married. And then if I had a kid, I could 100% commit and be the best man, you know? Yeah. And know that there's no one else or nothing, you know, to choose because life came to me. You right. know what I mean? Yeah, but th- that indecisiveness is very strong. Uh, it definitely comes from an anxious place, a perfectionism, I would assume. Also, uh, fear of making a mistake or the wrong choice. You'd rather not have to make the choice. And even you saying having an unplanned pregnancy to you sounds easier than making the choice of when to have a kid and with whom to have the kid. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And that brings up, you know, it's, it brings up this idea of, you know, you brought up my parent or my family is influencing, my family is influencing me. Especially my father, the Iranian father. Right. Well, mm-hmm. and I'm sure that's true to an extent, but it also seems like you maybe want them to. It might be easier for you to say, you know what, my parents said I have to break up with you, so we have to break up, than mm-hmm. for you to make the choice either way for yourself. So you might be putting even more of the responsibility on them because you actually want that, but at the same time you can complain about it and say, oh, this sucks, like I can't make the decision for myself, but in some way you're giving them that power. Right. I do put the power. They were all sitting at the table and I brought it up and allowed them to, you know, go at it. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen this a lot. It happens where people, they'd rather someone else make that hard choice for them. And it also absolves you of the guilt, right? So you tell your girlfriend, yeah. it's not me that wants to break up with you. My, my family is forcing me to. It's the pressure from them. The it's... craziest part is everything else in life is so complete almost. Hmm. You know, I'm killing it with work, with, you know, my social skills. I'm, I'm, a, I'm able to perform and get things done and feel success, you know. Almost, I actually read the article the other day. Type A, I hate to say, but I associate with that very much so. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something I have to step back but um, and, you know, take a breath and look at it all and say, hey, stop rushing. But with the girl, it's kind of the worst case scenario. I, 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 it's the hardest to decide and to choose. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, well, right. And, you know, the other part of the, the maybe, you know, you're talking about type A personality, it seems like there's, uh, as much as you think social skills and maybe you like to socialize, I get the feeling that relationships can be stressful for you. Yes. Okay. Like, I mean, and maybe so some of, you know, immersing yourself in work completely is in a way to get away from relationships in general, not just romantic, but to some degree even social, because there's a safety there that in work yes. you can feel good, but 
you know, work so, of superficial relationships. It's right. business oriented. You smile, you exchange pleasantries, right. and that's it. Nobody touches the depth. Yeah, you, and you can kind of follow, you know, some kind of rules. You were talking about before about there's no rules and no, you know, but with work, you know, you can read a book about how to present yourself in business, and there's certain things you do and don't do, and generally those rules will will lead you. But when it comes to deeper relationships, there's a lot more unknown, and that that can be scary. And I get the feeling that that can be very scary for you. It can be. Yeah. I feel mixed at times. You know, I said it again. I'm half Iranian, half white, and both sides. I mean, I'll say it. I mean, my mom's like someone that would vote for Trump, and my dad is totally opposite Iranian, you know, from Tehran. So, mm-hmm. divorce coming up. I was raised half my life there, and the rest of the half with my dad. He had to fill in the gaps and help uh, develop out of whatever I was coming from. So there's a lot of mix-up inside, yeah. too, I feel, um, and it's hard. I project that occasionally with women because they come closest to me than anybody else. Hmm. Yeah, that and, makes sense. Well, and also, I mean, with your mom, there seems to be some issues there we, we can talk about a bit. Um, but, you know, you mentioned the bicultural aspect, and many individuals who are bicultural, even from someone like myself who is Iranian heritage but born in the United States, but if, especially when you have parents of two different races or ethnicities, it can be a challenge. Uh, identity formation can be an issue, figuring out who am I? Am I, am I Iranian? Am I American? Where am I in between? Is there somewhere that exists for me? A lot of times people who are dealing with these kind of bicultural issues can have, you know, issues related to their identity and who they are and who they want to be because it never was as clear who they were. And it seems like you're struggling with with that too. Not having two parents together and both are canceling each other out when they're not, you know, Mm -hmm. around each other. Mm -hmm. And they project what their influence they want on me and they're totally opposite. There's no congruent, you know... um, Right. How old were you when they got divorced? Well, before I was born, they were, you know, already trying to separate. <laughs> ah, so are you the only child from their marriage? Yeah. Okay, so they divorced when you were a baby? Pretty much, yeah. They were no, in, you know, no relations except that they had to go deal with me. Hmm. And I don't hold anything against either of them. I've had my past and, you know, gone through whatever small sufferings i don't even like to acknowledge them too much because it is what it is well that's the part where i I get and my point in bringing up what you've gone through with them is not to blame them or let's um you know shame them or make them feel bad for what's happened it's to understand what you've been through because it, it does affect you and even the minimizing you might be doing might keep you from understanding how it's affected who you continue to be and the decisions you're making. So, uh, you know, in therapy, people will bring this up often that, you know, I don't want to blame my parents for my past or what I'm going through now. Um, You know, I I already forgive them. And even if you forgive them, my questioning of what's happened to you is to understand what you've been through because we know that it's going to affect you. And it it definitely seems like it has. So, you know, we got to a commercial break, but I do want to explore with you a little bit more um, you know, what you're going through, and we might maybe can talk a bit more about your past and the way it could be affecting you, and then we can take it from there. How does that sound? Sure. Okay, just hang online. We'll talk after the break. All right, you're listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Delacqui. We'll be right back.
back. Let's go back to the caller. Caller, are you still there? Yeah. All right. Um, so before the break, you told us about uh, the present situation you're dealing with, uh, with the girl you've been dating for about a year. You're 28 and she's 33, but we're talking about your family background and um, seems like you were born into not so ideal conditions where your parents were getting divorced uh, basically during your, when you were, when you were born. Were they married before? Yeah, they, they were, were married. married. Okay. And then they got divorced. And then you said originally you were living with your mom. Right. Okay. And then your dad was still in the picture at that point? He would see me once a month, maybe twice a month. He was trying to work his way up to, you know, he came from Iran with nothing, so he wanted to become financially sound. He was smart. He got, you know, what he wanted. Um, but my mom wasn't on that level, and she was a country girl from Savannah, Georgia, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, wasn't uh, the best mix for them, but it happened, so. Yeah. I see. And then, so you were living with her, seeing him about once a month. And then you said, then you started to live with him. How old were you? And what were the circumstances that made that happen? Nine years old. You know, I had to, um, there's a lot of uh, things in the mom's household that were not good. And my dad uh, was able financially to take me out of there Hmm. um, through law. And that came about, and I was able to live with him at, age of, uh, I think, nine and a half or ten, I moved with him. Mm-hmm. When you say some things that were not so good at your mom's house, like what was going on? Well, you know, she did the best she could, mm-hmm. but, you know, for discipline or for um, support, she had to work, you know, poor jobs, and we lived in a poor environment. And, you know, physical discipline was a big part, but mm. a lot of times it got out of hand, you know, because she's a single mother and uh, didn't have the education or good upbringing, you know, that could have prevented that. So I had to be a part of that type of lifestyle, and my dad had to take me from that. Wow. That that sounds, I mean, you say it in a very kind of technical way, but I'm sure that was incredibly painful experiences that you had. Yeah, it wasn't good. Yeah. But, you know, what do you do about it? Well, we can't can't change that past, of course, but uh, I'm just, you know, trying to understand your experience with her and, of course, being your mom, that that female figure that can affect how you approach relationships yourself. Um, That's why my aunt, she tells me, you know, the older woman, it's not that it's mutual respect and love, it's more like she provides a a beautiful mother figure to me and I keep her around. Mm -hmm. By the way, your voice has gotten a little more faint. I don't know if you you can speak more into that. Yeah, sorry. No, that's okay. Thank you. It sounds much better. Yeah, no, we heard, I I I heard what you said. And, you know, although the age difference is not huge, five years is something but it's not you know it's not like you're dating someone 15 years older but there could be something right. there and we can maybe even look at what's attracted you to this woman where there could be something you're playing out um because of the what happened with your mom where it sounds like you you had a very rocky relationship with her it seems that you've you you give her compassion that you know she was going through a lot trying to be a single mom trying to make ends meet maybe not knowing any better and i agree with you i think most people are trying their best, whatever their best is. Um, but it seems like her best was was a very painful childhood for you, and we do have to recognize that. Yeah, I don't think that. we can do bad things consciously. If we're being conscious, you know, it doesn't exist. You can't see that. I don't think. Well, it I, wouldn't make sense. I would. Yeah, I, I would. I like. I would like to think that, but I know there are people that consciously do, unfortunately, very bad things. Maybe in some way they're still trying their best because they, they, they don't know how to do better, or there's, you know things going on mm. for them that make it it's complicated but i think people do bad things you know i think overall people are trying their best 
but you know, bad things happen. But nonetheless, a child being physically abused to me is a bad result. Whatever the intention is, the result is is painful and has mm-hmm. effects uh, on the individual. And the way you're describing it, almost like your dad had to rescue you from that situation. Um, yes, that he did. It was he pretty severe. Me. I was from you know the worst parts. He brought me into the from the poorest areas of Savannah into the richest area of Atlanta. Yeah, so I had to adapt to that new lifestyle. Yeah. So I mean, talk about you know another layer to your identity confusion of like who you are and what life is like and what you want to be. I mean, you had your mom and dad culturally different and very different people, but then you lived a life of poverty for maybe first nine, 10 years, and then you moved somewhere else and maybe it was more affluent, that itself is going to be confusing too. So we can see several layers to your confusion and trying to figure out who you are and what's the right thing to do, because it seems like that's something that you really struggle with. What is the right thing to do? And in most... Who do I fit in with? Who right. do I blend? And yeah. who can understand me totally is almost, I don't know. Hmm. Just someone that could listen and be compassionate is almost all I can, you know, appreciate. I don't know. I don't expect anybody to really relate. Well, that's, yeah, that's unfortunate. I mean, I think having someone who listens and who's compassionate is really nice and all of us could benefit from that. But it does feel good to feel like we belong and feel like someone gets us and we get them and we can relate to them. But it seems like you're saying it's been hard for you to find people like that in your life. Yeah. Emily, she comes from Exxon. You know, the girl I see, she's from the rich family. Yeah. And, you know, this, and she's white on top of it. Not that these things are bad, because they're not. Of course not. You know, no. great, good for her. But for someone to relate with the struggle and the struggle I put on myself to really make sure I don't go poor again and that mm. I am staying in a, you know, from away from whatever I came from, it's hard for her to relate, even though she tries her best. I know she can't. Yeah. So um, do you think she doesn't get you? She does. She, you know, she's, I would say that she really does see a lot of a lot of what I am, you know, but um you know, and if it's that's something my dad would always say with the Iran you know, you want to really ah, you know, it's hard for me to say. Your dad says um, you should date an Iranian? Well, you know, when I you know, hung out with a girl that's all um Iranian. If you want by the way, you don't have to say names because we don't wanna because you know people on the air. Sure, well, yeah. just, I, I no, like I understand. To say her name because it's a difficult name for Americans <laughs> to say, but I can say it. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. So I say that she, um, the girl I see um, once or twice, she was all for it. You know, he says, "I don't get involved. I don't get involved." But when it came to her, oh, he's a little involved. Oh, this right. is good. Oh, that's mm-hmm. nice. How is she? When it comes to the other girl, he, you know, who? I don't know that woman. Things like that. Yeah. You know. He's not involved, but he's very involved. Right. So clearly he has a preference and he makes that clear. Oh, yeah. Um, he makes it known. But yeah. you can't tell him because right. he gets very angry. Well, and I think it's interesting because you're, you're, you're half Iranian, half uh, American in your background. So to say that Iranian definitely makes sense for you, I don't think it's definitely... It's never clear, but especially in your case, uh, an yeah. argument can be made that American makes sense for you because you're American half American and born here too. So I don't think it's as clear as he makes it seem. Of course, right. we can understand his bias for several reasons. Also, he's going to want to have you uh, connect and relate more to your Iranian side because that's where him, you sure. know, we all are going to have that even unconsciously. There's a higher culture than what my mother came from. So well, there's a, an elevated sense. Well, know, I don't know if I'd say higher. Person. I don't know if I'd say higher. Different. I was saying more in the t- sense that, well, he, you know, a parent always even unconsciously will want their kid to be more like them, especially in this case where you're so different, the two parents. So he's going to want you to move more towards the Persian side because that's more him. You know, there's a, mm. a narcissism. Mm. We want to see our kids be more like us. 
We want to see them look more like us, be like us. Sure. So it makes sense. Same he here. he yeah. wants you to move towards you, so uh, towards himself. So I can understand him. That's where he's coming from, but it doesn't necessarily mean that's what's best for you. You know, that's not necessarily right. what we're talking. But the way you're describing your childhood, I think I get the sense that connecting deeply with people is scary for you, and you know we can understand that you're how could you connect deeply your mom was you know trying her best i mean bless her heart trying to make ends meet working as a single mom poor and you know doing the best she could parenting but you were living in constant stress and chaos the way you're describing it and of course you're not going to feel settled or safe in this world when you have that kind of experience and you couldn't really get close to her i mean getting close to her probably meant more pain because you know she was abusing now if i try it's alcohol is the blocking you know she's very indulgent so and, it, uh, was she doing no that real connection? Yeah. Really, what was she I doing that? Hello and, yeah. Huh? Sorry. Well, I was gonna say, was she drinking when you were a kid also? No, 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 no. Not, not like, uh, she is now or has been since, mm-hmm. you know, I left or whatnot. But yeah, before she was, she was a big eater, you know, mm-hmm. that was her coping. But she, like I said, she did her best, you know, yeah. she wasn't. Well, well, she did her best, but it seems like she's suffering and struggling just to take care of herself. So I don't oh, think she's able much. to take yeah. care of you. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, the image I'm just getting of you, it's kind of a, a sad image. I see you as a very lonely boy in that home with her um, because she was consumed with herself and trying to make, you know, take care of things, work and all of that. But there wasn't probably much love and time and affection left for you. So distance became kind of the norm, but also distance became very safe for you. Not getting that close was more comfortable than getting close. Yeah, well, you know, with the physical stuff, it was best to try to not be around or, you know, like, I don't know. know. No, it makes sense. You just don't want to get, you know, it's just stay out of trouble. So you don't want to have a conversation with her or talk with her or interact with her because it could lead to a beating. So you'd rather just be out of her way or not interact. So... I'm just picturing the, the loneliness that you experience, and I think you carry that with you, that although maybe that loneliness doesn't feel good at some level, there's a safety you get from being alone that you yes. might be clinging to. Yeah, no, yeah. I do feel much better. A lot of times I can go out and have fun or whatnot for some time, but um, it ends after, you know, a night, and I, I go back to my my own life, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. work, work and focusing on... Uh, building and uh all the other futile things that i surround myself with but Hmm. um it's much more pleasant than being alone and having nothing to do right or being around a lot of people and creating no substance i don't know well it doesn't have to be i mean you know you don't have to have a substance around other people but i do think that it becomes um it's less risk it's riskier for you to be around people you said something about substance have you ever had your own issues related to alcohol or drugs no, you know, I I played, I tried things, you know, growing up teen years, uh-huh. and, but I really let go of everything because uh, I was really fascinated with uh, school. Like when I got out of high school, college, I, I wasn't good in high school. I made horrible grades, but mm. I knew how to connect with teachers and how to connect with students and how to make myself big. And then in college time came, I was left behind. You know, everybody went to the good schools. So I really took edge into that while all the other people, you know, were already in that state. So I actually, no, I really liked, I used to like to read philosophy and mm-hmm. um, different spiritual texts and try to elevate myself, you know, more than where I was and away from the drugs and alcohol, that those types of choices. So I, mm-hmm. uh, no, I don't, I don't even play with it, you know, now. 
Okay. Um, well, good. I mean, with your mom dealing with addiction, uh, we know that you can be at risk for it to, to, to get addicted yourself. So the, obviously staying away from it is better. I was, I was also wondering if socially, sometimes maybe you drink or it, it could be something that makes it easier for you to be around people or be in groups. Yeah, no, um, it doesn't make it easier. I mean, I can do it. Okay. Um, but yeah, I don't rely on it at all. I'm blessed in that regard. You know, my mom will say it too. It's best that I don't. Sure, I, I would agree with that too. Now you just mentioned your mom. How how close are you to her, or how often do you see her now? Well, that's part of the struggle now, is because I do involve her in my life. You know, um, the parents they need. I don't know. But I involve her in my life, and I share. I'm a fully transparent person with both parents. In fact, I share too much, like we said at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, but with her, she's in total accordance with the whole, uh, the white girl that I'm seeing now, the older woman. She loves the idea of her. She loves hearing about her. She likes that I have somebody that's sweet and kind-hearted, good-hearted woman there. Um, mm-hmm. She's all for it. And uh, she shows wisdom in her approach, too, you know, besides the drinking and the the terrible love bringing i involve her and we have a, a decent connection now but mm-hmm. uh, over the phone <laughs> not when i go and see her then i gotta get the hell out of it yeah well I can tell, again the space yeah she maybe seem, it seems like she can be a, a good mom for you now from a distance yeah uh, which i can understand but it's interesting you talked about maybe you say too much and also something we commonly see in people who have experienced abuse uh, it's true for a lot of people, but boundaries are not something that were made clear. So maybe it's not really clear uh, for you what to share or what not to share, what's appropriate or not. I have not. no filter at times. Yeah. It's horrible. Right. I've gotten that sense. Trouble. Yeah. It can get you in trouble. Not that being honest and open is bad, but sometimes we can say too much or open too much to people that, you know, it's not the <laughs> appropriate time yet. I push yet. many women away because of it. To sure. Be yeah. Maybe. Yeah, I share like it's they're supposed to know than not know. Uh, you know, I'd rather have them totally, you know, right on the same page, but it doesn't filter that way. Yeah, I mean, because... Interpretation on the other side. Right, because, you know, as a principle, it can sound nice, you know, everyone says being open and honest is good, which is true, but if someone opens up too quickly, it can feel almost like an invasion in actually some ways, where people are too open, too fast. Like, if you just say hello to someone and they start telling you about being molested as a child, you're going to feel a little bit awkward that this is strange. It feels like too quick. And so maybe again, your boundaries aren't so clear or you're not as good at understanding what the other person is going to experience because I don't think you were given healthy boundaries as a child. Clearly you weren't with your mother. So you probably don't know. And maybe again, there's this yearning to be close. So sometimes you see someone and you want to just connect with them too quickly, too deeply, too fast um, in a way to get them to just understand you. And then maybe mm-hmm. once they connect with you, you pull back, which is something we're seeing. You know, I still want to talk to you because I we didn't get to talk deeply about the relationship. And I want to, after the break, let's talk about you and this girl, what attracted you to her, what's going on, and then what you decide to do, okay? Yeah, sure. All right. You're listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Delacqui. We'll be right back. Let's go back to our caller. Caller, are you still there? Yes. Okay. So let's talk now about your relationship because we've talked a lot about what's been going on and your initial call was about 
uh, her and what to do. Um, tell me a bit about how you met her and what attracted you to her. Well, I was new to Houston, mm -hmm. and uh, the work that I have, I travel, you know, the whole Midwest, Southwest of uh, the country, but weekends I'm off, and there was nothing to do for me in weekends. So I actually got a part-time job at a cafe, and she's the one that hired me. Hmm. Okay, so that's how you initially met it. Then what would you say, I know you said it started as a friendship, but what attracted you to her? What did you like about her? Um, well, initially I wasn't attracted to her. Uh, you know, if anything, I was very transparent about my other dealings with other women and the other funds that I was trying to have being new to a city. And she just was kind of like, a, like the rock of the group. We had a group of friends. Mm -hmm. And she would be the consistent one in uh, being pleasant and not having drama and being, you know, um, kind of there. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, um, yeah. Well, that, you know, we can see maybe that consistency, something that you lacked a lot in your life was something you really liked. And even you told me earlier, like just having someone, a compassionate listener is very important for you or something you would want. And it seems like she was that person for you. Yeah, she still is, yeah. Uh -huh. And then how did it transform from that into a romantic relationship? Well, um, it was about two or three years of engaging, um, or two years of, you know, being friends and whatnot, and I guess she was seeing some other guys or whatever, and uh, um, January came about, I guess it was New Year's, and um, one of the gay friends we have loves drama, brings up, oh, why are you guys so weird with each other, or something like that. And I'm like, all right, Eric, thanks a lot. But then I guess um, she was like, didn't disagree with him. And I said, what, is it just me? And then I guess everybody left the house but her. So then that was, you know, I was stuck, and I guess, you know, it was just her and I. So hmm. it is what it is. Well, it's interesting how you say I was stuck, like you didn't want to be in that situation. It wasn't something I was asking for. Sure. And that's interesting. It reminds me of kind of the way you talked about things earlier of if something happens to you, you'll, you know, even having a kid, you'll glad, you know, take it on and do the a good <laughs> job of it, but you don't want to make the choice. But it seems like even this relationship fell on your lap, so to speak. And you, it was more that you didn't say no to it rather than you wanted it and, and or pursued it. Okay. Yeah. Does that make sense? It does, yes. Yeah. So it seems like you didn't even, you know, really choose to be in this relationship. But cause to me, that's an interesting choice of words to say, well, I was stuck. And then so now I'm in this relationship. And it seems like you feel stuck in it in a different way now as well. I don't listen to my words. You do a good job. So, yeah. <laughs> well, that's that's one of the things therapists do. And one thing yeah, I did right? want to mention to you, I would, you know, want you to think seriously about seeing a therapist. I think it's a wonderful thing to do. And I know you said you've never listened to the show before. So I'll say it to you right now. I talk about how I go to therapy myself. So I don't see it as mm. uh, when I tell you to go to therapy, it's because, you know, you have right. big no, problems. I yeah, I think it's a wonderful I thing. I think the poor girl, if she's such a compassionate listener, she must hear all the things I say. <laughs> she I, might be. I don't know what I'm saying. There's a good chance, you know, there's a good chance she's <laughs> he's just hearing things you might not realize you're saying the way oh, you're talking God, about yeah. it. And we did talk about the, the lack of filter, and I'm, I'm seeing that more and more that you're talking, that sometimes I think you might not be totally aware of how someone is going to hear what you're saying. So I'm sure she's, uh, but it seems like she, she loves you and cares for you, for who you are. So that's the right, good sign. That. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's just something I would, I would consider and I might 
bring that up again when we're, you know, saying goodbye at the end of our conversation about really thinking about going to therapy because the past you've had to deal with, it was really intense and clearly like for all of us, it's affecting you to this day. And it's not about changing the past because we can't do that, but we can try to understand our past better and heal some of those wounds to create a different present and future for ourselves. So it's something I would, I would want you to, to seriously consider. And I hope you would actually, you know, go into therapy for yourself um, to figure it out. But so if you had to tell me three or four things that you like about her, you've mentioned her being a good listener and a caring person in that way, but what else attracts you to her? Her aesthetic, she gets, you know... So physically gets, you are attracted to her? Because you made it seem that like you were not attracted to her at first. Well, no, physically, um, she's, you know, she's, she's cute. She's good-looking. You know, she has qualities. She's not the model. She's not um, the one that I would pursue, you know, for physical. Mm -hmm. um, but... Given what it is, it's it's fine. She's fine. Okay. What? Um, okay. And what else about her do you like? Her aesthetic. When I say aesthetic, I mean her uh, understanding of beauty. Like she is able to see things very clearly. Like very similar with me. What I like about you know, let's say interior design or architecture or plant placement along a pink wall. You know, like mm -hmm. random things like that. We're on the same page. I like that. It's, you know, not many the girls that I've seen get that. Mm -hmm. um, um, okay, so you guys have kind of some shared interests in a way. Yes. Okay. The um, humor, she totally gets um, where I'm coming from with humor. She, you know, with how much I play and how often she's able to be there and, uh, and get it. Like, I don't have to repeat my, you know, like, mm -hmm. when there is something that she will really understand and laugh. Um, yeah. Okay. So you guys have some things you enjoy together. You enjoy being, uh, together. And then I guess now you're in friends. this place. We were good friends before. Yeah. yeah. Which is actually good. You know, what we look at even healthy marriages, what's most important is the quality of the friendship, um, that the, the husband and wife or partners have together. So, um, that is very important to have that friendship, but now it seems like you're not sure what you want to do now. Right. Well, there are some flaws, too, because, you know, I could be more uh, certain. I'm sure if there were things that were um, things that I could relate with better. But she's, you know, she's got a master's degree in arts and culture, but she works for retail. You know, she didn't really have struggle in her life. Things were provided, you know, even housing until recent, you know. Dad probably helped supplement her income. Mm -hmm. Um you yeah, know, those, those things kind of bother me a little. Actually, I'm like, well, I can't relate with that. I, you know, it's like, am I got to be the one that does everything? You know? Do you feel that way with her? Well, I mean, what is it going to be? She's. I'm not going to be a stay-at-home dad if I were to, you know, engage further with her. And you know, I got to do it. And for her, I don't know. I don't know. Hmm. I'm just saying these random things. So. Well, the random things, but it seems like they they come to you, or they're things that affect how you feel about her and. A future with her also um, but I think what the a big issue is that the indecisiveness is going to be even more significant when it, the more the more significant the decision is so when it comes to this decision of what to do with her your indecisiveness is going to be even stronger I, I'm getting the feeling from you that you are not sure this relationship is going to make sense for you long term but again because of your indecisiveness and wanting something to happen to you it's hard for you to make the decision to end something also, just like it's hard for you to make the decision to start something. Yeah, 
Yeah, to end, who else do I have here? You know, I've been isolated with work. <laughs> and I don't, you know, I for someone to try and reconnect or whatnot with, let's say, the filter things that I've got, the lack of filters, um, I'm constantly, you know, and even with her around at times, I went and hung out with other girls to just see if I could relate. But I see that I, you know, at times I won't because I, I see the thing. The girl eats Cheetos and say, what are you eating Cheetos for? Don't you know that's not good for your health? You're eating empty calories? The girl doesn't understand where I'm coming from. Emily does now. It's like I'm already, she's built around me, you know, mm-hmm. like where um, I don't have to try. I don't have to, uh, I don't have to look further mm-hmm. for something, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, uh, well, you know, what you're saying is something that it's a classic thing that people do when they're in a relationship and they maybe want to get out, but then they're afraid to, is that they're saying, I don't know if I'll find someone else which is something that a lot of people feel, but it's never a reason to stay with someone that you think no one else will like you because we don't. that's not the case. You know, just because of what you said about that, that Cheetos comment, in general, are you very big on rules? Like things have to be done the right way, and if they're not, it really bothers you? You know, um, I like to be correct in what I'm doing, so at times I can project that on others. I yeah. disagree. Yeah. But I mean, as far as, or things being very orderly, I mean, are you someone who keeps things really neat and tidy and they have to be that My way? house is very, I have a bloodhound. My house is cleaner than most people's family's homes, you know. <laughs> uh-huh. It still is clean, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm getting, there, there could be something, you know, there's something called obsessive compulsive personality disorder. And it seems like you might at least have some traits of that, like that there's this black and white thinking um, that things have to be, this way or that way and if they're not uh you know they it's hard for you to deal with them and also makes it can make it hard to make decisions because of that because mm-hmm. things have to be this perfect or right way um and, uh, and a lot of these types of things there isn't a right or wrong in relationships as black or white as it is in maybe a financial dealing or math or you know other types of things so it could make it harder for you so that's something I just if you want look that up See if you can relate mm. to that, if you think you might be dealing with that, because I'm getting that sense from talking to you that there could be some OCPD that you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll look it up. Yeah, I'll take a look at that. It, but it seems like, you know, clearly, uh, you know, decisions are going to be tough for you. And as I said before, I would highly recommend seeing a therapist because what you're dealing with, it's very clear that your past is affecting you to this day. Even you said yourself, you're, you're aware of a lot of it, which is good. You know, you have a stress or an anxiety about becoming poor again, which maybe fuels you to overwork or stress too much about work or invest too much into work when maybe you're doing okay and, and it could take away from your life in another way. Emily ways says too. I'm doing okay. She says I'm doing great. I'm getting my second home. You know, I'm yeah. reading the first one of you know, I'm progressing. She's like, take it slow. You're fine. Right. But that anxiety you're dealing with comes from somewhere much deeper than just looking at the reality of your situation now, because it's coming from your past. It's like, you know, if you had a traumatic incident where, you know, you were in a car and something happened, now every time you might enter a car, you feel scared, even though nothing can happen. It's because of that past incident that you're still having a hard time dealing with. So because your anxiety is that you're constantly living in fear of of losing money or not having enough money or not being able to make ends meet, it's going to be hard for you to feel comfortable and to lose that anxiety about having money. I've seen people similar to your situation. They could have millions and millions of dollars in the bank and are still worried about not having enough because there's that feeling of scarcity 
about the world that comes deep within them that is going to affect everything that's going on. So the outside yeah. world can be completely safe, but inside there's that lack of safety or that comfort and security, and that's what sure. you're dealing with. So you could have 10 houses and you still might feel this way. Um, Probably. Yeah. yeah, and that that's what I'm talking about where I really am encouraging you to, to go to therapy is that there's some deep wounds that you are carrying with you, and you're doing great, and I think there's a lot for you to be proud of, absolutely, in what you've done to come from poverty and then create what you have. But I think relationally, especially you're suffering and even just with yourself, you're suffering and there's a lot of pain there that I think you could benefit from some therapy. So if you've never gone before, I, I really would highly recommend it. And if you do go, be ready to go for a while. I always tell people, don't think of it as, okay, I go a few times, but you have to really devote months and months and even sometimes years. But it really can be worth it because it can create changes that are long-term that will affect every aspect of your life, especially the relationships, which we know are what lead to long-term happiness, the quality of the relationships that we have. So I really hope you'll, you'll go ahead and do that. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll uh, look into it, you know, financial, I don't want to spend money and spend money. <laughs> <So> <laughs> well, there you I go. Spend money on the dog. I know. Well, that's where it pokes its head out again is it's unfortunate that sometimes to help yourself with some of the issues you have, which might even be making you stressed about money, you're afraid to spend the money in the first place, kind of like a catch-22. But I, I, yeah, I hope, you know, and even through your insurance, if you have health insurance, you might be able to find a provider. So, but the financial side, I think you'll be able to make it work and you'll find that it's going to be worth it in the long run for you. So I get that. I know it cannot. I'll just keep calling you. It's free, right? I just keep calling you. <laughs> you and could, you, and your... <laughs> you could call me as much as you'd like, but this is definitely a different experience than what you're going to get one on one in the room. No, but I, I appreciate you know you calling in even without knowing me, and we, I hope we had a good conversation. And even you know if you think about it, we talked for about forty five minutes or so. Yeah, uh, I didn't think about it. You know, yeah, and you know I hope even in this forty five minutes, I think from what I heard, your reactions where there's a lot of realizations that you had that hopefully will be helpful. Just think how much more meaningful it'll be and how much more you can get out of meeting with someone every week in the same room. There's a different level of intimacy and openness that right. you can have there. There's just so much good. So I would hope that even what we experienced in this you know, last 45 minutes or so together would make you recognize maybe this could be something good for you. You seem to enjoy the process and this is kind of what it's like. It's different, definitely, than what we're experiencing, but has a similar feel. So I really hope you'll, you'll go like ahead and do that. Who doesn't like talking about themselves? Right. Well, well, there you yeah. go. Go ahead and do that and give that to yourself. <laughs> Talk about yourself with someone who's going to continue to help you understand yourself better. And then hopefully you'll see positive changes in your life. But I've really enjoyed talking to you. And, uh, you know, you can Thank call you. back Thank and get some updates. Time. Yeah, my pleasure. But really, really look into that because I think you'll, you'll find it very helpful. But again, thanks for calling. Wish you all the best. Sure. Take care. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye. All right. You're listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Delacqui, studio number 310-441-0555. We'll be right back. Back. Let's go to our next caller, Radio Hamra. You're on the air. Hi, Dr. Olakli. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good, thanks. Good. Uh, 
I am the mom, let's say, of that boy that called you earlier. <laughs> now, now, you're not saying you're actually the mom, but you're saying in a similar situation. Yes, okay. yes similar situation. <laughs> All exactly. Right. And, uh, but we both, uh, my husband and I, we are Iranian, but my son was born here. Mm-hmm. He's 29, and he's dating a 36-year-old girl. But uh, actually, they're right now, they uh, they got kind of. Uh, they had to move because my son has to go to grad school, so he moved to another state. But she stayed in that uh, that state. But she's planning to go study, go get her master degree in the close to him too. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's twenty nine, and she's thirty six years old. Mm-hmm. And uh, how I long? Really how long have they been dating? A year. Okay. Now, and but uh, he doesn't want to get married. He did. He just have a partner. That's what he said. But he really, really cares for her. And, and <laughs> you know, it's uh, gonna. It's funny the way you said that was like it was something really bad. You're like, he really, really cared. That that's that sounds like a good thing overall. But because you don't approve the relationship, it was a very negative thing. It just sounded funny. Okay. No, just like so you know, yeah. Yes, you're right. Because it, to be honest, okay, I tell you what is my problem. Is okay. To be honest with you, and I know, and he kept telling me this is judgmental, and I agree with him. I said I agree with you, but uh, first of all, he's from she's. I'm sorry, she's from a like a broken family. The, her father left them, abandoned them when she was really young, yeah. and like really a mom person. By the way, your 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 voice keeps cutting out. I don't know if it's the reception oh, or. I, 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 that's okay. okay. That, Just want to make sure we're hearing everything you say. I think is so, but yeah, go ahead. Enough? So you're saying uh, she's from a broken home. The father left the home at a young age. Yes. When she was young. Okay. And it, yes, and then she's a very self-sufficient person. She mm-hmm. was, uh, she, uh, basically, she did everything for herself. And uh, she, right now, that uh, she, where she lives, she totally supports herself. And uh, she has tattoos all over. Mm-hmm. She has tattoos, like, all over her hands. And, uh, but, but my, my son told me that she's very, very, like, kind and supportive and very wise. And she's not like a, she doesn't want to have any kids either. But the thing is, I just want to know what is my role is because I, I, I always tell him I disagree with this relationship, but it's yours. I, I'm not involved. And I know it hurts him when I tell him that Mm -hmm. because I'm the person, I'm very, with any other girlfriends, I was very welcoming, I was very loving, I always invite them, everybody just to come, stay in my house, but with her, I can't do that. Mm. Well, not that you can't, you haven't done it, but... I don't want... Right, maybe you don't want to. Um, do you have any other children? I do, I have an older son, too. How old is he? He's 35. 35, okay. And so you're saying in general, when your your sons have been dating, you've been very welcoming to their whoever they're dating but with her you've not been that way that's true yeah even with my, he's living right now with someone and i love her mm-hmm. she's sweet she, they come to stay at my house you know every time they come yeah. visit we go travel together does she care a lot of, does he care a lot about her he yeah he does yes <laughs> i was just testing you because when you're talking about your Younger son caring a lot about the girl it was a negative thing, but with her, I was I was assuming it'd be a positive thing because you like the girl. Um, so you know him. Care, it's good they both care about these girls, and you you know you're asking about your role. It, it is a minimal one, uh, you know. That's the the truth. Now the thing your son says he doesn't want to get married and have kids. 
And if that's really what he wants, then that does change some of the factors of what he's looking for. Because, yeah, with a 36-year-old, if he wanted to get married in a few years and then have kids a few years after that, he would be potentially in trouble as far as having their own kids together. But with that not being the case, you know, that that's less of a concern. But either way, at the end of the day, he's going to have to make his own choice. And I, what I would say is actually your role is to be as close as you can with him and his girlfriend as you are with your other son. Because you're going to send your son that message that you don't fully approve of him in his life. And it's going to make you more distant from him. You're going to be less close to him um, over time. And by trying to in some way... It's almost like you're trying to not legitimize the relationship by having her over and having her be the girlfriend and having a good relationship with her. Um, but it, it's not going to do anything other than push him away and potentially push him closer to her because he's going to have less of you and your, you know, your husband, his dad, and is going to need even more support and more closeness and likely will get it from her because she's the closest person to him. So these kinds of things of, you know, trying to not approve of the relationship in different degrees, you're not doing the, you know, we disown you or anything like that, but by not being as welcoming and, and warm, if anything, it's just going to push him more towards her. Now, that being said, I understand part of your call is you're wondering if there's any way you can not break them up, but wondering if you're supposed to get involved. Um, so I'm not saying get closer to him because that might make it more likely they break up. I'm saying be closer to him because he's your son and it seems like you really love him. And I think it's better for you to do that than to try to push him away or push something so that you make a decision in his life that he has to make for himself. That's a really good point. Thank you. And I am very cold with him. I mean, still very close with mm-hmm. him. I mean, he always, like, like he was home, and we talked about it more, and he said, well, why are you, you know, why are you, like, disagree with her? And I told her, and I told her, like, uh, my objection about her, but, uh, and I was remembered, I just said, well, this is the norm, that usually the girls at least should be, like, maybe young, younger or the same age, or, like, perhaps, like, maybe... I don't know, two, three years older, but seven years, that's a long, that's a big age difference. Plus, it's just but, like, she doesn't, okay, this other thing, is okay. I tell you the truth, doctor, it's just because, like, I I know the families are, we not even, aren't they supposed to family should be a little bit compatible, a little bit? If you're not, sure. they're just like day and night. You mean you've met the family? No, but I know what he, ta- what I, I've heard what he told me. Okay. You know what I'm saying? They, sure. Very, diff- very, very different. Then. Yeah. Very different. Now, is it nice for the families to be compatible? Sure. But is it necessary? No. And what's most important is how compatible they are. And, you know, if we're talking about norms, you can say there's a norm of dating the main man being the same age or a little bit older than the woman. But there's also a norm of the mom being supportive of the son and being there with the girlfriend and being friendly. So if we're talking about norms, you have to focus on your side of the norm, not his side of what he has to do. But are you living up to the norms or things you think you're supposed to be doing? Uh, it, okay, not maybe 100%, okay. but perhaps maybe 80%. Okay. Because, I mean, this is true for all of us because it's very easy. You know, we can go up to anyone and say, oh, you're not doing the norm as far as reading or exercise or this or this or this and bunch of things but you're just responsible to do your part your actions what you can do and what you have control over in this 
relationship is just how you treat the relationship, not who he dates or doesn't date, but how you treat your son and treat his girlfriend and how you treat the relationship that's in your control. Now, I'm not saying you have to lie and say, I think this is the best relationship ever and she's perfect for you and I completely am head over heels for this girl to be with you, but you can still be accepting of it as much as you can to give him that feeling and give her that feeling that you're you're there for him and you're going to support him whatever he decides. That's a very good point, but I how do I I I, I agree 100%. I totally agree with you. I should do that and mm-hmm. I really I that's what I'm afraid of that if I give like be supportive that he be he be just he wants like they want to live together mm-hmm. or just it, it, it doesn't matter what i do or i think he will do whatever he wants to do basically it just it doesn't i think right do it. exactly you know i think your concern which a lot of parents are that if i give some level of approval that means i'm accepting it and it'll make my son or daughter 100 percent buy into this relationship and not consider the situation but so far he's chosen to be in this relationship even though you don't really approve of it so who's to think that if you then approve of it that's going to make him more into the relationship um, and make him decide differently. So, like I said, I wouldn't say you have to tell him this is the best thing ever. You're probably going to have to start by acknowledging what you've done so far, because if tomorrow you try to wake up and tell him, oh, I'm so excited to see you guys come over, and you know you totally do this different thing, he's going to be like, what the heck is going on? You know, It's going to be weird for him. So you have to acknowledge at some level what's happened, and you could even be honest with him. And he, he knows, you, you know, you don't have to tell him that I don't think, I'm not 100% okay with her or think she's the best person for you. So you don't have to lie about that or even really explain that to him. But you can just let him know, okay, you know, I re- realize how I've been with you and her and how different that is with how I am with your other girlfriends in the past or your brother's girlfriend, and I don't feel good about that. And I just want you to know that I care about you and, and love you, and you're the one who's going to make your decisions, and I'm going to be behind you and support you and want to be close to you however I can. You know, however it makes sense to you, but somehow acknowledge what you have done and you and your husband have done so far and that you don't want it to be that way. Now, that's if you want that. You know, I'm giving you a suggestion. You have to decide what you want to do. Yes, I, th- I think this is the best because because I really, I mean, I, I love this, you know, you really love the children, but I don't, I, I just... I want to be closer, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? It's just like, I don't want to, uh, I don't want him to feel distance right. with, with me because of her. And, and we, it never happened before. I mean, we just, we always talk about it, which I'm glad we do. But uh, this is a good point because I I don't acknowledge it. I don't, I do tell him, yes, I know I'm judgmental. And, but I don't, I don't feel that I'm regretting that I say that. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I'm not I'm not like upset or saying yes, I agree. I'm judgmental right. because this was how I was raised. And, like right, you're, well, you're saying really I'm, I'm judgmental, way. but I'm supposed to be in this situation. Like my judgment makes sense, or I should That's be judgmental. Exactly. Right. Exactly, doctor. Right. Exactly. Where you know, and in you know, but what we're looking at is, like I said, you don't, might not approve or think it's the right relationship for him. But um, you're saying I don't want this distance, but you're the one creating the distance. You know, he's making the choice for his life, which he's completely allowed to do. He doesn't owe you or uh, his dad something and who he chooses to be with. Um, And then you're choosing not to accept it and to push him away. So I want you to recognize that you're creating the space and the distance, not him. And even, you know, if you're saying you guys were so close, 
you know, he likely has issues with his girlfriend, just like everyone does. And because he knows you don't approve of it, he can't come to you and even talk about those things if he wanted to, because he knows that as soon as he says something, you're going to jump on it and, you know, add it to your um, list of reasons why he shouldn't be with her. And he's going to get that from you. So he's going to to have to hold that more to himself too. So by, by accepting and, and loving him and accepting the relationship, you allow him to actually be more open with you when it comes to this relationship as well. And I've seen it so many times where uh, parents completely disapprove of a relationship and they attack the other person so much. And then I meet with the, the one in the relationship and they say, I have all these issues with my partner, but I am afraid to tell my parents because they're going to say, see, I told you so. And they're going to make me feel bad about it and judge me even worse. And then it just doesn't work. So I have to defend my partner and the relationship and pretend like everything's okay. So I'm not suggesting things aren't okay with him and her, but I'm saying what you're creating is a space between you and your son where he can't talk to you about this relationship, good, bad, or whatever it might be because of he knows how you feel about it. Yeah, that's a very good point. So that's the first thing I should do. I just acknowledge it and say, yeah, I should. I've, I've got to accept her. Is that what I should? Well, I, I mean, I you know, acknowledging how you have you and you can, uh, you know, where you're coming from is understandable too. Just you have concern about who he's with and you have these concerns, which you've expressed. So I wouldn't get into again, you know, it's normal for you to date this and not, you know, go into that, but say, I had my concerns, which you know about, but I recognize those are my concerns and that you have to choose who you want to be with. But more importantly, I recognize that because of the judgments I've been making and the way I have not been approving of the relationship, I've pushed you away and I don't like that and I don't want to do that. So I want you to know I'm going to try to make things different when it comes to us and about how I treat this relationship. And then, of course, it's going to be important that you don't just talk the talk. You have to walk the walk and he's going to see what you do going forward. And that's where the pressure really is going to be on you. So you have to think about this and how you're going to approach it. Can I then extend, you know, invitations for them to come over and feel okay about it? Can I be approving? And you might have to also recognize that you could tell him, be patient with me. It might take me some time to get there. So it's not like tomorrow you have to be exactly like you are with his brother and his girlfriend. It might take you some time, but that you want to get towards that place where it feels, you know, similar and that he recognizes that you love and accept him and all the decisions he makes and you're going to be there with him and by his side. Hear our conversation again. Is it just, sure. Uh, the the, sh the show, yeah, the archives. Um, probably by Friday, I'll have it uploaded to my SoundCloud page, and it'll be uh, the podcast will be up on iTunes as well by Friday. By Friday, and then South SoundCloud. Is it? Do I search for Dr. Holakwi? Yeah, Dr. Fadid and I have a page, and then if you go to that page, you'll see uh, today's show will be uploaded with the date in front of it. Okay, yeah. thank you so much. My awesome. pleasure. Thank nice you. talking to you. Wish you all the best. Thank you. Thank all right, take care. Bye-bye. All right, going into our last commercial break. We'll be right back. Back. Let's go to a caller. Radio Hamra, you're on the air. Hello. Hello, hi. You're on the air. Thanks for calling. 
Hi, thank you for having me. Um, uh, actually, I have a great deal of um, problems. I don't know how to start. I tried to start from the uh, recent one and try to manage to tell what 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 is my main problem. Okay. Um, my totally, I have problem of uh, indecisiveness. Indecisiveness. Uh-huh. I'm under treatment for about one and a half years. Uh, I'm taking consultation. Um, and uh, it seems that my most uh, problems up to now have been um, self-esteem and uh, self-confidence. Um, now, uh, because I have problem in marriage issues uh, and uh, I have physical problem as well, Mm, every small decision when I want to make in my life, I, I don't know what to what to mm. do, and uh, it 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 is a really big problem for me. It might be very easy for other people to deal with them, but I don't know what to do. For instance, now I, I'm in the middle of transition in my life. I I I, I had surgery about two weeks ago. Um, and um, I, I have ICBC case. I, they are they are they are uh, considering my back issues. On the other hand, uh, I now I'm living in in Canada. I'm, I'm I I uh, I plan to go to the uh, USA, one of the uh, states, uh, and the, um, I'm in the middle of process of immigration as well. Um, so, um, I, I don't know if I should go there or not, even though I have tried to reach at that level for, for passing the board exam for, for about three, three years, and it fulfilled last year, this year, excuse me, this, May, this year, May. Um, I, I'm, I'm not sure if I made a good decision. Hmm. Um, what, kind of work, what kind of work do you do? You said, you said the board exam? Yes, uh, in, in the past uh, I, I was nurse in Iran. Uh-huh. I could not, uh, uh, I, I and I could pass the uh, board exam in the uh, USA. Um, and now I'm on the process. I should go in and apply for SS number, and then uh, 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 then uh, then at the end stage will be receiving my. Uh, board registry numbers so that I will be able to work as a RN. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, well, uh, so you... my, my go ahead, go ahead. My counselor uh, said that it, it would be a good idea to go, but I, I cannot say that you do that because I don't want to leave your decision to me. You know, mm-hmm. uh, she she said that. It would be even better for my relationship because we, I, I'm in very bad relationship status right now. It, she said that it would be a good idea because it would make a break for us to uh, to understand if I want to continue it or we want to get separated. Or so. So your wife would not come with you to the United States? Uh, I don't think so. We we have agreed that. Uh, my wife and my children stay and I go alone there. Hmm. Okay. Um, are you okay? Now that's that's a pretty big change to to go away from your your wife and your kids. How old are your children? Uh, one of them is about uh, nearly 
three years, the other is nine years old. Oh, three years and nine years old? Yes. So they're very young. Yes. Uh, you know, just that itself concerns me. I, I thought maybe if they're adult children, that's very different. But with, with young children, that that's a, that's a big loss for them to lose their father. Yes. And for instance, that, that, that is huge. Yes, these, all of these issues come in my mind when I was sure. present. Now, I'm, when I don't, do, don't have to do anything, I'm in the middle of nowhere at this, I think. I take one course or uh, to get involved myself in a, in, in a college uh, environment to mm-hmm. be a little bit um, more engaged and don't think about these problems, but but I don't can focus on them. Um, I, I I all the, all the time these issues come in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and and my, my wife herself is under treatment and. Um, uh, and that is another problem for me too. She mm-hmm. she has a kind of depressions and anxiety. Have, have you gone um, to therapy together, you and her? Yeah, and we went, and we, we could not solve, and that's why each of us go separately. I see. Well, I'm glad you're you're doing that. But even in hearing you talk, and you you said it yourself, but there is this very um, almost like negative feeling towards yourself that you give off. Uh, you know, the self-esteem or self-confidence that you talked about, it clearly isn't there. And that that's unfortunate. It's not something that, of course, in these few minutes we talk will change. But I'm glad you're going to therapy to hopefully continue working on that because it also relates to the indecisiveness because you don't believe in yourself or you don't trust yourself to make the right decision. And then even yeah. sometimes you might not want to give yourself something good because you're not sure you deserve it or give yourself what you want. So that makes it even harder to make a decision because you're not sure what what you deserve or if you deserve something good. So that makes it even harder. Um, the going to the U.S. it's a big decision, and I, you know, just like your your therapist says, doesn't want to influence you or tell you exactly what to do. I feel the same way, but I do have my concerns not just about you, but I'm thinking about the three year old and the nine year old who um, that, that's a very young age, especially three, to not have their father around. For some time, um, that's something that does concern me about what the effect is going to be on them. So I understand you have to live your life, but my concern is for a three-year-old to lose their dad for a while is pretty significant. Yes, so sure, sure. I, I, sure, I, I don't have any other choice. If I don't go there, I, I would not have any 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 uh, future in my in my. Career um, and I would I would not have any a decent job and because I, I I had a survival job here for a while and I couldn't meet my aunt's needs so that that is that is a like for, for me that mm. at least gooder and I might be able to get a better job and better earning even I could in this way I would uh, rebuild my confidence my self esteem and I might I might be able to help them financially too well that would be good but more than more of course making ends meet is necessary so i don't want to minimize that but more than money they need their dad but also i'm getting this feeling that you feel like your worth is just in your performance or you know it does relate back to that self-esteem that feeling that if you're not performing you're not worth anything um and and i know it's very important for someone and i do get a obviously a hint of depression in how you're talking 
to feel good about themselves, to feel productive, feel like they're doing something good. So I don't want to say that's not important, but I do feel that that strong desire to prove your worth um, that I'm sure is affecting what, what you're deciding to do. And there's no there's no way the whole family would move together. Um, there is, there is, but my wife said that if if we go together, my child, our children will be get, will get affected more because they will um, they will be in more uh, desperate situation because we would not be able to support them, you know, financially. Because here we have we have we are supported, we are. Um, we have a good house, and we we have a good routine to help them. If we go there, and we for a while we, we would not be able to have a suitable accommodation or um, maybe good earning. So that is that is a challenge for us. I see. Well, it does seem like you. I think you maybe said something along these lines. You're trying to make good of a bad situation or a not very good situation trying to make the best of it um so that might be possible that that could be the best choice and you know that's going to be up to you to make but i just in hearing you talk i it breaks my heart because i feel that lack of um, love for yourself that there isn't that feeling good about yourself and we only have just a couple minutes so i don't have time for us to talk too much about your own childhood but i can imagine there's a lot of pain there somewhere you learned Unfortunately, this wrong message that you're not good or good enough or something about you is not lovable or lovable enough, and you still carry that with you. And I can feel that when we talk. And as I said, I'm happy you're going to the therapy because something like that does take time. But I'll just say it again. I know it might not make a big change, but you are enough as you are and who you are. You don't have to become someone else or be someone else. You yourself are enough. So how how can I believe that I'm good enough when I cannot mm-hmm. manage many uh, situations? Well, you know, and a person is enough. Just like I'm sure you look at your children, and you don't look at the three year old or the, the nine year old and think, well, unless they get good grades, they're not going to be lovable, or unless they do a good job at this or that, I, I don't think that I should love them. Right? You don't. I don't think you see them in that way. But every person also is worthy of love just by being a person, by being a human being. You're, you're a lovable human being. Now, can you go do good okay. things and do things for yourself and for your family? Absolutely, and I hope you do those things. But at your core, I would hope that underneath that you already love yourself regardless of the outcome. So your, your lovability is not based on some outcome. If you get a job or don't get a job or you make this much money or you don't, at your base, you're still lovable and worthy of respect and appreciation just for being you. And I would hope you can accept that and internalize that. It, it will take time and recognize that you're worthy of that. Um, and what you decide to do now, I, I don't know what the best choice is, but I hope you continue working on that, loving yourself more. That's something that apparently is lacking for you. And I hope you can continue to do that. To work on that and if you do move to the united states then definitely continue therapy here find someone here that you can see because you're going to need to continue that process what you're dealing with is is a journey that takes a long time it's not something that is going to change overnight 
exactly, exactly. You know, I do have to wrap up the show. I hope you can call back another time. I didn't have a lot of time to talk with you. Um, but, you know, just continue the therapy, continue working on yourself because you deserve that. Hopefully we can talk again sometime soon. Sure. And may I ask you your shows hours? or Sure. Um, it's Wednesday, it, all L.A. time, uh, Wednesday 12 to 2 and Monday 8 to 9 p.m. 12 to 2 and Monday 8, 8 to 9. That's right. And and we can talk about our personal problems. Sure, same thing, absolutely. Good. Thank you so much. Have Pleasure a great talking. Day. You have a great day. Thank you. Okay. Bye bye. All right, we've reached the end of today's show. Thank you to all the callers there that called in today, and also to Susie Hatami who joined me to talk about the toy drive. You can send your toys here to the Radio Hamra offices now until December fifteenth. A new and unwrapped toy for the. Mattel Children's Hospital here in Westwood. Uh, thank you to everyone out there in Raman here in the studio. You've been listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Tolakwi. Have a wonderful day.